it is good to see you. It is good to share, um, and it was good to see so many of you on Friday um, evening. Man, was it nice to be back, um, back where we belong, in our sanctuary, um, sharing in, uh, and celebrating the birth of our son, singing Silent Night and all the things that made it just such a beautiful service. And so thank you again to everyone who, who came together to make uh, Friday night just a, a beautiful evening. Um, the, the story, though, of, of Jesus, is, it doesn't just end with his birth, right? And, and sometimes it, it, we like to skip from birth to, to miracles and healing, but, but we do, and especially this year in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to get some stories of Jesus growing up. Jesus, as he continues to mature with his family, we're going to get to see some things that, that parents were doing with Mary and Joseph. And so over the course of the next month, we're, we're launching in a new sermon series called Growing Up Jesus, um, as we witness to what Jesus experienced, what his family experienced as he was growing up. And I think you might, um, I think you might um, find some commonalities as parents and as children, as grandparents and as caregivers in what they experienced but before we pick up, we're going to literally pick up where we left off on Friday. I wanted to, to try something with you. There's still the Christmas season right now. This is the, the, the first Sunday after Christmas, so I thought we'd play a Christmas game. And uh, you all know the song, 12 Days of Christmas? All right, so we're going to try our luck at remembering them in, in order. I, I get to five, and then, and then things get shady, but we'll see what we do. So on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. All right. The second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. You should go on Jeopardy. You got the button. Two turtle doves. That's awesome, Ian. All right. On the third day. Did you know that one? You were being kind. On the fourth day, four calling birds. Now we all know. And the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden rings. And the sixth day, six geese laying. Seven, eight, nine. Oh, oh. Ladies or lords, ladies or lords. The ladies have it. Nine ladies dancing, ten lords a-leaping, eleven. See, I like alliteration. I want it to be eleven lords a-leaping. It's way, isn't that, see, right? But it's eleven pipers piping. And twelve, man, I thought it would be harder. So now we're going to go backwards, and we're going to sing it all together. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me twelve drummers drumming, eleven pipers piping, ten lords a-leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids a-milking, seven swans a-swimming, six geese a-laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. Man. I know, right? That We were talking about that one earlier. But you guys are rock stars. Well, you're carol stars today, right? And, and now, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to listen to today's scripture. 
We ended Christmas Eve in Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the manger. Not all three of them, just Jesus. And the shepherds, um, they were glorifying and praising God for all they'd seen. That was Luke verse two, or chapter 2, verse 20. So today we're going to pick the story right back up with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 2, 21 through 24. And I want you to see if anything sticks out to you in these verses after having just sung that song. So this is Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 24. After eight days had passed, so he's how old? Eight days old. It was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. By the breath of your Spirit, inspire us, that we may be filled by your word today, Lord God, filled with new understanding and fresh desire to please you and experience you in all we do. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. So did y'all catch it? The echo is two turtle doves and if you're counting today is the second or the first sunday of christmas but it's the second day of christmas it's the turtle dove day today so i think it's appropriate <laughs> that we hear that scripture today and also just a, a fair fair warning you've got 10 more days to finish your 12 days of christmas boxes as we help out our backpack snack program for next year and while i think most of us are aren't they pretty those are pretty doves and most of us are likely to associate two turtle doves with our true love or our christmas carol tradition first century jews like mary joseph and jesus they had a different association with turtle doves and that's the heart of what our scripture gets at today we are reminded again and again in luke that jesus's family is a very jewish family they're steeped in the traditions and the rituals that God handed down to Abraham and Moses and Jacob and countless generations. You know, I think for us, the fact that most of us knew at least some of the 12 days of Christmas, who knew them all? Anybody vain that wants to? <laughs> right, I, I, knew, I remember I used to sing them to my kids um, trying to rock them to sleep at Christmas time, and then I would usually be asleep by the golden rings and they would be playing again on the floor and so that's what it reminds me of but it also the fact that we have this common memory this shared memory of that song and singing it it's something that does bind us together not every culture or every group in the world has this song knows these words it sets us apart we share this common experience we share a common tradition of singing it around this time of year it's so common that we can make up new words for it and share and know the melody. It identifies us, well, it at least identifies us as people who have grown up in a culture heavily influenced by the Christian 
faith. There are quite a few experiences, though, in our life as Christians that identify us and bind us together as followers of Jesus, like singing Silent Night by Candlelight on Christmas Eve. I got to hear a cool story yesterday of, of some of our members talking to a neighbor who was born in Germany, and that was their favorite experience of Christmas Eve, singing Stille Nacht by candlelight. It binds us together across oceans, those experiences. It's a reminder of who we are, a signal of who we are and to whom we belong. Things like baptism, communion, confirmation, sharing in the Lord's Prayer. And if you say trespasses, that might mark you as one tradition. Debts might mark you as another or sins yet another tradition, a different culture. They mark us as Christians. Um, Debt, if we have debts, it marks us maybe as a Presbyterian. If if we trespass a lot, then we're Methodists. And if we sin, we're, that doesn't work. I don't want to say that. (laughs) We're Catholic. If we say sin, we're (laughs) Catholics. That was not right. These traditions and rituals, they make us who we are. And that's what's happening in today's scripture. We get a glimpse of what it was like for Jesus and for his family growing up as first century Jews living in Judea. But Luke also wants us to understand Jesus' place in the faith of Abraham and Moses. Jesus' family was devoutly Jewish. They followed the Torah. In fact, Luke reminds us again and again that they are doing these things because of the law of Moses, that it was required of them. And so we read that after eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel, before he was conceived in the womb. So not only are Mary and Joseph faithful to Gabriel's words to them in choosing and giving this name for their son, but they are faithful to the word of God because when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him, promised him not just a child, but generations and nations as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore down by Disneyland and world. And they would be given the promised land. This was God's covenant with Abraham's people. And so it's in more than one place, but in Genesis 17, we hear, Throughout your generation, God says to Abraham, every male among you shall be circumcised when he's eight days old, including the slave born in your house and the one bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your offering. Both the slave born in your house and the one bought with your money must be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. You see what's happening just in that line. Jesus is firmly a part of God's people. He is a part of the covenant with Abraham. And his parents, Mary and Joseph, are faithful to the tradition and the law of the Jewish faith, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth were and their son John. We heard that story of his circumcision and his naming that caused um, Zechariah to sing out with joy. Just like Jesus, John was officially given his name on that very same day. They were marked and they were set apart. In the Roman Empire in the first century, the prevailing opinion was that circumcision was unnatural, unnecessary, even an affront to the human body. And just a couple hundred years before Jesus, you could have been put to death for circumcising your child. 
So by participating in this Jewish tradition, this covenant ritual, Jesus and John's families and countless Jews down the centuries were saying, this is who I am. This is who we are. First and foremost, children of Abraham before anything else, anything that the culture expects me to be or do, this is who we are. And so then our story goes to 31 days later, on the 40th day, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, they travel six miles from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. The Roman census, by the way, had brought them to Bethlehem, but God's word brings them to Jerusalem. When the time came, we read, for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. The law of Moses says this in chapter 12 of Leviticus. It says that 40 days after a woman had given birth, she needed to make a purification sacrifice. This is Leviticus 12, chapter 6. When the days of her purification are completed, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb in its first year for a burnt offering and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. There is the turtle dove again. In fact, Leviticus 12.8 actually gives a provision. It says that a sheep is preferred, but if your family does not have enough to afford a sheep, then you can bring two turtle doves or two pigeons that you would then purchase at the temple, outside the temple. It tells us a bit about Mary and Joseph's situation, by the way, that they had to opt for the turtle doves. Actually, I also think it tells us a bit about the shepherds because they got so caught up in glorifying God that they didn't even leave a sheep at the baby shower to help out, (laughs) right? (laughs) To wait for the magi, for the gold. That's later. Mary and Joseph, they also brought that one-month-old Jesus to the temple because he was Mary's firstborn male. And when God saved all the firstborn boys of the Israelites by passing over them, In Egypt, you remember that story before the Exodus, he commanded at that time that every firstborn Israelite male be given over to the Lord. In Exodus 13, 15, we read that when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn of the land of Egypt from human firstborn to the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord every male that opens the womb first. But every firstborn of my sons, I will redeem. Every firstborn of the Israelite sons are redeemed. And that's what they were doing. Mary and Joseph, when they brought Jesus to the temple, presenting him as God's own, they were living out their story, the story of God's people, all the way back to the Exodus, all the way back to Abraham. They're living out and incorporating Jesus into the story of his people. They're confirming their identity in the faith of their families and the faith of their ancestors. They're confirming who and whose they are. And so there in the temple, they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, two young pigeons, poor as they were. The Magi hadn't come yet. They didn't have any gold, much less frankincense or myrrh. Poor as they were. They did what they could. They did what was required of them by their God. They lived out their faith. They participated in the traditions and the rituals that mark them. 
as God's own. I mean, it's kind of humbling, really, if you think about it. I mean, they're carrying the Messiah. Like, Mary gave birth to the Savior, to God in flesh. Like, you think they'd have gotten a pass on some of the dusty old, like, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus stuff. But no. Even they, even Jesus, needed to experience the traditions, the rituals that marked him as God's son. And so today, on the second day of Christmas, the first Sunday after Christmas, I think that's the question for us. If our Messiah, our Messiah, (laughs) needed to experience the traditions, the rituals, the stuff of his faith that marked him as God's son, what makes us think sometimes that that, that we don't? (laughs) That we can take a pass this week? on the dusty old stuff, not just of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, but of, of Luke and Acts and Paul's letters. And I don't mean that we have to pretend we're Jewish. I'm not talking about circumcision or sacrificing turtle doves. I'm talking about the things that we do as followers of Christ, giving our Sunday mornings over to him, worshiping the Lord every week, And if Mary and Joseph and a one-month-old can make it the six-mile trek on foot to get their buns to the temple, (laughs) what excuse do I have on those Sundays when my buns don't want to get off the couch (laughs) and into my car? (laughs) If we have time to sing and know by heart all 12 days of Christmas with the rest of our Christian-influenced culture, Don't we have the time to lift our voices each week with our brothers and sisters in Christ? And if Mary and Joseph can raise the Messiah up in the temple and the synagogue, shouldn't we be doing the same with our children, raising them up in God's church, Christ's church, sharing those marks of our faith with the youngest of God's children? You know, sometimes, I mean, Christ is the Word. The Word is Scripture. Scripture is holy. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in just saying the words that we forget the things that those words call us to do. And we forget that our tradition is full of actions and things that mark us as who we are. Baptism, confirmation, carrying in the light of Christ, Sunday school, Christmas pageants, Palm Sunday and waving our arms in the air, saying the Lord's Prayer with our children and grandchildren, singing the doxology, the words of our faith that become a part of us, doing the things that mark us as who we are, children of God, followers of Christ. And so this week, as we're contemplating with the rest of the world, the rest of the culture, the rest of the people of God's earth were contemplating New Year's resolutions. What if we consider reinvesting in the new year in the things and the life that make us not like the rest of the world, that set us apart, that are unique to us as followers of Jesus? Amen? Amen. Amen.